Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, September 8th, 2023. Today, Peter Navarro has been found guilty on both counts of criminal contempt. The federal grand jury that indicted Donald in D.C. is meeting again today. John Eastman declined to elaborate on Senator Grassley, saying he was going to preside over the joint session of Congress on January 6th during his disbarment proceedings. That 70s show actor, Danny Masterson, has been sentenced to 30 years in prison. Elon Musk secretly used Starlink to foil a Ukrainian drone strike on Russian ships. And the judge who signed off on the Marion County, Kansas newspaper raid may soon have to explain her actions. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. What a week. What a week. Today wasn't as crazy with the news, but we still have a packed show. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, first of all, a couple of quick hits here. Peter Navarro has been found guilty of his criminal contempt charge. Both counts. The trial took a day and then the jury deliberated for like four and a half hours, I think. They just returned a note saying we have a unanimous verdict and they handed over their verdict sheet. 
with two check marks next to the words guilty, guilty, guilty. Um, so <laughs> he's facing now. I know a lot of people are saying he's facing two years, but those can be served concurrently. So it would he's really facing one year. Bannon got four months. I imagine he'll get the same. And Bannon is out on appeal pending his appeal. And I imagine Navarro, that'll, that'll happen to him too. So if, you know, when that happens, don't, don't get too mad. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Also, the grand jury, the federal grand jury that indicted Donald in DC, Jack Smith's grand jury, they're meeting today. And I have a feeling about this. I wrote up my thoughts about it in, on post. I have an account there on post. It's free to sign up. You can get there and sign up for free using a link in my Twitter bio and, you know, Andrew Weissman, Dana, says that this is probably wire fraud. You know how the big lie he went out and fundraised uh, off of. Oh, yeah. Millions of dollars. Yeah. Tens and tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. I think he had $250 million all said and done, which is all gone now. It's all, it's all been spent on pollsters and lawyers. But, you know, I think that this might actually have to do with the voting machine breaches and how that is tied to fundraising, because you know, and I'll, I'll go over this a little bit, Dana, in detail when we when we do the Jack episode this weekend. But, you know, CNN reported that prosecutors have been asking witnesses in the grand jury about money spent through the PACs on the voting machine breach effort. Mm -hmm. And you, you know how Jack's sort of been avoiding the big lie stuff, you know, he even came yeah. out in, in the indictment and said, you can lie to the public about the election being stolen. That's not illegal. That's your First Amendment right. But, you know, obviously you can't lie to defraud donors. Um, that's a whole different thing. But he might even avoid having to make that argument by saying you raised money and spent it on illegal shit. And that's also wire fraud. So maybe illegal shit being, you know, breaking into voting machines and stealing them or, you know, <laughs> stealing the data out of them. So we'll see. And that would be uh, Sidney Powell's pack, too. But anyway, the grand jury met today. We don't know what about. We don't know if there were any witnesses because they can sneak in through the back. Um, so I'm assuming we'll find out more soon, sooner rather than later. And this is something that uh, I, I wasn't going to bring up today, but it's just it's weighing on my mind. And I talked to my friend Harry Dunn about it. The Proud Boys were offered a deal back in 2022. I heard about this. This is crazy. Enrique Tario was offered like nine years. And the rest were offered like four or six years, and they all turned down the deal. The 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 you know to plead out to seditious conspiracy, they turned it down, and now they're serving twenty two, eighteen, seventeen, fifteen, fourteen years instead of four years or six years or nine years. Yeah, that blows my mind. They really honestly think that Trump is going to somehow win in twenty twenty four and pardon and them. Pardon? Yep. It's just mind blowing. All right, we have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Kyle Cheney at Politico. John Eastman testifying at his own disbarment trial sidestepped a question Wednesday about whether he and others in former President Donald Trump's orbit discussed the possibility that Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, rather than Mike Pence, would preside over the January 6th session of Congress. During several hours of sworn testimony in a California disbarment proceeding, Eastman said discussions on that topic were protected by attorney-client privilege. When asked which client, Eastman said President Trump. That means Eastman talked to Trump about Grassley. Okay, Grassley's role <laughs> generated significant intrigue in the weeks leading up to January 6th. The Constitution requires the vice president 
who serves as the president of the Senate, to preside over the counting of the votes to certify the election. Historically, however, this job at times has fallen to the Senate president pro tempore, typically the most senior senator in the majority. And in 2021, that was Chuck Grassley. California State Bar Attorney Duncan Carling also pressed Eastman to respond to some of the allegations against him in the Georgia indictment. For example, they grilled him on his contacts with Robert Cheeley, an attorney, one of the other co-defendants in the Georgia case, about efforts to put Eastman in touch with Georgia legislative leaders. Eastman says those contacts are attorney-client privileged as well. Now, Carling probed his relationship with attorney Kenneth Cheesebro as well. That's another Trump co-defendant who was the architect of a last-ditch legal strategy Trump deployed to attempt to remain in power. Cheesebro wrote memos that helped drive Trump's effort to assemble false slates of electors in seven states, won by Biden, and said it was crucial that those contingent electors gather and vote on December 14th on the same day that Biden's state-certified electors cast their own ballots. Eastman indicated he had minimal relationships with Cheesebro until late December, even as he, too, pushed for the pro-Trump alternate electors to meet. Quote, I didn't directly deal with Mr. Cheesebro at that time, said Eastman. Rather, he said, others in Trump's orbit forwarded him some of Cheesebro's memos. And Eastman suggested he never saw one key memo, a December 6, 2020 document recently unearthed by The New York Times, until bar attorneys showed it to him this week. Eastman's limited contact with Cheesebro changed later in December, Eastman said, when he directly sought Cheesebro's input on a now infamous two-page memo he authored that laid out a set of options for Pence on January 6th. Eastman said Wednesday that Cheesebro, quote, added a paragraph and changed some words in that memo. A December 23rd, 2020 email unearthed by the January 6th Select Committee hinted at Cheesebro's role in that memo. Now, Carling, that's the guy at the disbarment hearing, asked Eastman whether the emails suggested there had been discussions about Grassley filling in for Pence. Now, this exchange underscores that there are still significant unknown details about the behind-the-scenes planning by Trump and his allies. Ahead of January 6th, Grassley started a furor on January 5th when he told reporters of Pence, quote, we don't expect him to be there. I'll be presiding over the Senate. His comments prompted an urgent rush by Pence's staff to correct the record, eventually resulting in a statement from Grassley's office indicating the senator had been misinterpreted <laughs> and was merely saying he might fill in for Pence during some portions of the proceeding that day. Except he didn't say that. So he said Pence wasn't going to be there. So Eastman wouldn't answer the questions about Grassley, but invoked executive privilege, meaning he spoke to Trump about Grassley. I'm still of the mind, Dana, that Trump and his allies were counting on Pence getting in that car mm -hmm. and being driven away from the loading dock that day and having Grassley take over and complete their coup, the old Green Bay sweep. I think that's why Donald wanted the Secret Service to take him to the Capitol that day, because Pence wouldn't leave. He's a very stubborn fellow when it comes to the Constitution, Allison. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> My God, thank you for that. This next story is frightening on a number of levels, but it also explains a lot of the, I don't know, I may be connecting dots, but you're not going to argue with me on this. Like the Twitter downfall, none of this is a surprise, by the way. I don't know, in my opinion. Anyway, this is from CNN. Elon Musk secretly ordered his engineers to turn off his company's Starlink satellite communications network near the Crimean coast last year intentionally to disrupt a Ukrainian sneak attack on the Russian naval fleet. 
That's crazy. That's also, according to an expert, adapted from Walter Isaacson's new biography of the eccentric billionaire titled Elon Musk. Wow, they really networked that title, didn't they, for a while? Uh, as Ukrainian submarines. <laughs> Let's get a focus group. Oh, my God. What do you think we should call uh, the, story, the documentary about Elon Musk? I don't know. Elon Musk? Okay, we'll do with that. Okay. As Ukrainian submarine drones strapped with explosives approached the Russian fleet, they lost connectivity and washed ashore harmlessly. Okay, this is what Isaacson wrote in this book. Musk's decision, which left Ukrainian officials begging him to turn the satellites back on, was driven by an acute fear that Russia would respond to a Ukrainian attack on Crimea with nuclear weapons. And that's a fear that's driven home by Musk's conversations with senior Russian officials. Now, according to Isaacson, whose new book is set to be released by Simon & Schuster September 12th. Okay, moving on. Musk's concerns over a mini Pearl Harbor, as he put it, did not come to pass in Crimea. But the episode reveals the unique position Musk found himself in as the war in Ukraine unfolded. Now, whether intended or not, he had become a a power broker U.S. officials couldn't ignore at this point. The new book from Isaacson, the author of acclaimed biographies of Steve Jobs and Albert Einstein, provides fresh insight into Musk and how his existential dread of sparking a wider war drove him to spurn Ukrainian requests for Starlink systems that could be used to attack the Russians. All of this is nuts that this guy has this much power. Mm -hmm. After Russia disrupted Ukraine's communication system just before its full-scale invasion in February of 2022... Musk agreed to provide Ukraine with millions of dollars of SpaceX-made Starlink satellite terminals, which became crucial in Ukraine's military operations. Even as cellular phone and internet networks had been destroyed, the Starlink terminals allowed Ukraine to fight and stay connected. But once again, Ukraine began to use Starlink terminals for offensive attacks against Russia. Musk started to second-guess that decision. Now, this is what he said. This is what he asked Isaacson. How am I in this war? Starlink was not meant to be involved in wars. It was so people can watch Netflix and chill and get online for school and do good, peaceful things, not drone strikes. Well, Musk was soon on the phone with President Joe Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and General Mark Milley. And including that, the Russian ambassador to the U.S. to address anxieties from Washington, D.C. to Moscow. This is again from Isaacson. This is what he wrote. Meanwhile, Mikhailo Fedorov, a deputy prime minister of Ukraine, was pleading with Musk to restore connectivity for the submarine drones by telling Musk about their capabilities in a text message. That's according to Isaacson. This is a quote. I just want you, the person who is changing the world through technology, to know this. That was from Fedorov. That's what he told Musk. Now, the uncharted territory that Ukrainian and U.S. officials were in, relying on the charity of an unpredictable, at best, billionaire for battlefield communications, that also led to a standoff over who would pay for Starlink terminals last fall. SpaceX had spent tens of millions of its own money sending the satellite equipment to Ukraine. That's according to Musk. So who knows if that's true. And the company told the Pentagon that they wouldn't continue to foot the bill for the satellite gear as CNN first reported last October. Well, after CNN's reporting, Musk reversed course, and he tweeted, the hell with it. We'll just keep funding Ukraine government for free. Well, Gwyneth Shotwell, who is Musk's president at SpaceX, was livid at Musk's reversal. That's according to Isaacson. 
And this is a quote from the story. The Pentagon had a $145 million check ready to hand to me, literally. Isaacson quotes Shotwell as saying this and went on to say, then Elon succumbed to the bullshit on Twitter and to the haters at the Pentagon who leaked the story. But SpaceX was eventually able to work out a deal with the U.S. and European governments to pay for another 100,000 new satellite dishes to Ukraine at the beginning of 2023. That's according to Isaacson. Starlink's importance in the war has not waned, by the way. And Allison, we learned a lot of this from Ronan Farrow's incredible reporting last month that we had already covered on this podcast. Yep, yep. This is just um, more evidence of this uh, intentional disruption of communications in Ukraine. Um, and there is some, you know, speculation going around Twitter about a, a Twitter conversation that he had with someone where he was like, you should just shut it down. He's like, that's not a bad idea. So the national security, global democracy, the security of global democracy being in the hands of this guy uh, frightens the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And from Scribner at The Washington Post, content warning here for sexual assault. Actor Danny Masterson, known for his role as Stephen Hyde on that 70s show, was sentenced Thursday to 30 years to life in prison for raping two women at his home in California in the early 2000s. Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Charlene Olmedo handed down the sentence Thursday to Masterson, who sat in court wearing a suit. Mr. Masterson, I know that you're sitting here steadfast in your claims of innocence and thus no doubt feeling victimized by a justice system that has failed you. This is what she told Masterson before issuing the sentence. But Mr. Masterson, you are not the victim here. Your actions 20 years ago took away another person's voice and choice. One way or another, you will have to come to terms with your prior actions and their consequences, unquote. The former sitcom actor watched as his accusers recounted the trauma they experienced. Quote, when you raped me, you stole from me. That was one of the unnamed women who accused Masterson of rape in 2003. That's what rape is, a theft of the spirit. You are pathetic, disturbed, and completely violent, she added. The world is better off with you in prison. The other women, whom Masterson was found guilty of raping, said the actor, quote, belonged behind bars for the safety of all the women he came into contact with. I'm so sorry, and I'm so upset. I wish I'd reported him sooner to the police. The defense sought for the two sentences to run concurrently, according to the AP Masterson's attorney, that's Associated Press, Masterson's attorney, Sean Hawley, told the judge, the actor's life will be impacted by what you decide today. Mm. And the life of his nine-year-old daughter, who means the no, world stop. to him. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And to whom he means the world. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon said in a statement on Thursday that the sentencing came after a long and arduous road. Quote, one of my top priorities is to ensure that Los Angeles will no longer be a hunting ground for Hollywood elite who feel entitled to prey on women. In May, a Los Angeles jury found Masterson, who's 47, guilty of two counts of forcible rape during a retrial of a case that involved three women. The actor was convicted of raping two of the women while a mistrial was declared on the third count, later dismissed. During the trial, Olmedo, the judge, allowed three unnamed women, each identified as Jane Doe, to issue statements against Masterson. After the sentencing, Allison Anderson, a partner at Boy Schiller Flexner and an attorney for two of the women, said they showed, quote, tremendous strength and bravery by coming forward to law enforcement and participating directly in two grueling criminal trials. Quote, despite persistent harassment, obstruction and intimidation, these courageous women helped hold a ruthless sexual predator accountable today. 
Masterson's sentencing comes after years of investigation and accusations. The actor had long denied the allegations against him, pled not guilty during his two trials, arguing he had consensual sex with the women. But prosecutors told jurors that the actor drugged the women's drinks so he could rape them. And then he used connections to the Church of Scientology to evade consequences. The sentencing came after years of investigation and a mistrial that ended with a deadlocked jury. Now, the actor was first arrested in 2020 after a three-year investigation. Masterson was accused of raping three women between 2001 and 2003. All three women said the alleged rapes happened in his home in the Hollywood Hills area of Los Angeles, and that at the time, they were members of the Church of Scientology. The Church of Scientology has been mentioned in both trials. An alleged victim accused the church of witness intimidation in her testimony, sharing that the attorney for the church, quote, stared at her with really dead glares. And that's according to a local news account. The Church of Scientology previously told the Post it does not have a policy that prohibits members from reporting criminal conduct of anyone. Scientologists are not to law enforcement. Wow. That's a bold fucking statement from the Church yep. of Scientology. Adding that, quote, scandalous statements about the church are complete fabrications. Oh, there's the real Scientology church. When asked for comment, the church sent over the same statement, which was originally issued in May. And going up against the Church of Scientology is a big fucking deal. Their roots run deep in Hollywood. I mean, deep. And uh, AG, I don't know if you follow Yashar Ali. Do you follow Yashar? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's been going and trying to take down the Church of Scientology for years, and they have been trying to make him pay for it for a long time. But I'm glad that some of the members of the church are actually having consequences because they will do everything they can to protect them. Yeah. And, and Leah Remini was there during yes. the, with these women during the trials. She's just she's been a, a, a voice against the Church of Scientology for quite a while now. So brave. Yeah, it really has. All right, AG, thank you so much. This last one's from Jessica McMaster at KSHB, Kansas City. Magistrate Judge Laura Vire, who signed the warrant allowing police to raid a Marion newspaper, is being asked by the state to respond to a complaint. On August 17th, we covered the story, by the way, on August 17th, Carrie Strahler, I hope Strahler Strahler from Topeka filed a complaint with Kansas Commission on Judicial Conduct. In the complaint, Strahler writes about the raid on Marion County record and asks the commission to take up the matter of Judge Vyer signing the warrant. And this is a quote, I humbly beg for your attention to Judge Laura Vyer's mental capacity and her decision to seemingly circumvent federal and state law. This is from Strahler. That's what she said in the complaint. She continued and pointed to laws that protect journalists from raids, including the Privacy Protection Act, which requires police to seek a subpoena unless someone is in danger of bodily harm or death. Now, since the raid on Marion County record, the newspaper owner's home and Marion vice mayor's home, legal experts have criticized the decision, citing a lack of evidence in the subpoenas submitted by Marion Chief of Police Gideon Cody. Now, the KSHB 41 News I team spoke with Strahler about the complaint. Something just didn't sit right, Strahler said. I was concerned for her, meaning the judge and those she serves. Now, four days after filing the complaint, Doug Shima, secretary of the commission, assigned Strahler's complaint to an inquiry panel for consideration. Shima wrote a panel will, and I quote, determine whether your complaint contains facts that cause a reasonable person to believe that a violation of the code of judicial conduct may have been committed. On September 5th, Shima responded again to Strahler, saying the commission requested Judge Vyer respond to this complaint. Now, the KSHW 41 news team has reached out multiple times to Vyer, who has declined to comment. According to Shima's response, Strahler's complaint was placed with members from Panel B. 
Two members, Alan Glendenning and Susan Lynn, recused themselves from the matter, which is now on the commission's agenda meeting for November 3rd. The I-team was unable to reach the commission after hours. According to the commission's website, though, the commission is tasked with, and I quote, helping the Supreme Court exercise its responsibility in judicial disciplinary matters. The Supreme Court established rules related to judicial conduct, which apply to all judges in Kansas, end quote. As the public asked for accountability, Strahler told the I-team, transparency is what I'm striving for with a complaint process. So I hope they take this person down. I mean, the whole thing was illegal. I mean, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it stinks. It's all shady and sketch AF because this judge was driving around um, on a suspended license for DUI. And the woman that they that this paper was investigating a restaurant owner named Newell as her last name. I, I can't remember. Sarah maybe is her first name. She was driving around on a suspended license from a DUI. And then there was weird stuff going on with the head of the the police chief, like the whole police department showed up to raid this newspaper. So I I look forward to seeing what um, if, you know, I hope this judge, Judge Vire, has to respond to these allegations because I'm interested to see what she has to say for herself. All right. We have uh, good news now, which uh, we need today. If you have good news, send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. But we have to take a quick break, so everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, misheard song lyrics, uh, if you want to play What the Mutt or What the Hequine or Find the Cat, or if you want to send baby pictures, we love those. Frog orgies, we love those too. If you have a shout out to a small business in your area that needs a boost or your business, what are you making and creating? Uh, We'd love to hear about that. If you have a shout out to yourself, tell us what you're proud of. Um, Whoopie stories, anything, really anything. Honestly, you could send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. We love everything. Everything. We do it. And we'll read it uh, on the air. Uh, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up from anonymous pronouns they and them. Quick pronunciation correction. Hi, beanies. I have one small correction on pronunciation. It's kind of weird and an easy mistake to make. The attorney general of Montana's name is pronounced Knudsen. Got to pronounce the K. Oh, we were calling him Knudsen. Like we were doing the silent K. It's Knudsen. Thank you so much for your takes on the drama happening in my home state. I hope that he is reprimanded for his insolence. Me as well, by the way. Yes, indeed. Also, I love the word insolence. Mm-hmm. All right. This is from Tanya. Pronouns she and her. Actually, I'm going to go with Tanya on this one. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. Pod Pet Tax. This week we celebrate Gotcha Day and our sweet ginger kitty butters. I sent in a good news about him and his tiny Halloween costume in the last year. He's grown into a huge love bug. We adopted a sister for him named Izzy from Pounce Kate Cafe. Maybe that's Cat. Pounce Kate Cat Cafe in Charleston, South Carolina. She's older, smaller, with a nubbin tail and was found rolling a pink rhinestone collar. <laughs> I bet she was flat. They get along wonderfully, and she is definitely the boss. They are wonderful comfort in crazy world. Many thanks to you both for providing a daily source of hope and humor in an often crazy world. Oh, My pleasure. Boy. Ah, sweet baby. 
Oh, he's big. Yeah. Good beard, too. Solid That beard. is a good one. <laughs> look at the kitten next to him. <laughs> oh, and look at the nub and tail. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that so, so, so much. I love these kitties. Little man cat face and the girl cat face. Adorable. Next up, football fan. Pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies of the Leguminati. I wanted to write in to clarify, add a few good news details to the story about the Spanish douche canoe, Rubiales. FIFA suspended him for 30 days pending an investigation to remove him entirely. Nerd that I am, this immediately made me think of Rudy Giuliani's bar hearing, <laughs> where instead of waiting for due process, they stripped his license in the meantime, basically declaring him guilty upon proven innocent because the evidence was so damning. Misogynistic FIFA doing the right thing for women with no court pressure literally made my jaw drop before I broke my face smiling. <laughs> <laughs> the Spanish government has also weighed in vocally and forced a tribunal to hopefully remove Rubiales. But last I read, that had fallen short. However, they opened the door for Hermoso to file a complaint that could result in civil and or criminal charges if she did. Final correction is the Spanish women may not play on September 22nd because 81 players, including the 23 reigning champions of the world, have signed a pledge not to play until Rubiales is removed. Yep. Oh, wow. One of the men's national stars has pledged the same, in addition to the team's better late than never official condemnation of Rubiales. To add to the class and solidarity of the story, some of the English stars Spain just defeated have also spoken out supporting Hermoso. And over and over again, I keep reading that this is or will be the Me Too of women's football. I know people are lamenting that this distracts from Spain's victory, but I think it shows their strength, resilience, and serious badassery aren't limited to the pitch. It's a new era in football, and seriously, what a beautiful game. I love the submission. I want to know this person because know. you're a badass and know all things soccer. <laughs> Me too. That was a great, great submission. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yes, yes. All right. This is from Karen, pronouns she and her. I live in Ottawa County, Michigan. And in 2022, our county commission was taken over by far right wing Christian nationalists funded by an extremist group called Ottawa Impact. They've done a lot of horrible things, including attempting to slash the Department of Public Health's budget by over 60% in retaliation for their enforcement of mask mandates and things like promoting vaccinations and wanting to serve marginalized communities. Well, the good news is that the public is fighting back. Good. Last night, there was a rally in support of our amazing public health workers. Hundreds showed up to support. Our fight is long from over, but last night's rally gave me hope that maybe some normalcy will return to our county government in 2024. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a link to that story from the Holland Sentinel. Look at all those people. I love it. Uh, I love this. I love this in action, this democracy in action. It fills my heart with joy. Next up from me, no pronouns given. How, that's not me, but this person is me. Hello, AG and DG. Greetings from Melbourne, Australia. I was stoked to hear another Leguminati mention the Aussie Planet America TV show and the PEP PEP podcast with Chaz and Dr. Dave, two of my absolute faves. And what started my obsession with understanding the fuckery that is the state of U.S. politics right now. From there, I met you legends and now can't get through my day without my fix, whether it's the beans, cleanup or Jack. Just love them all. The good news is I'd love to share. The good news I'd love to share is that I have the best job in the world. I work in the marketing team for an animal feed brand and I get to hang out with pups, horses and all other farm animals all day. At the moment, we're preparing for the eighth annual Cobber Challenge, where we select 12 working dogs from Australia, New Zealand, 
and measure how hard they work using tracking collars. Oh, cool. It's such an awesome way to acknowledge and celebrate how hard these dogs work day in and day out. I'd love it if you could follow us on our socials or our website. The competition kicks off on October 9th, and we announce the winner on October 30th. Obligatory pod pet tax is my dog, Alambi Larry, a.k.a. Bluey, who, because I needed to save on talent fees, graces the packaging and advertising of one of the brands that I look after. He was born on a station on central Queensland and now lives with us in suburban Melbourne. Living his best life. Look at this beautiful baby. Oh, gorgeous. How cool. Planet Aussie Planet America TV show. Very cool. Oh, by the way, I've started using the phrase no walkers. No, they haven't. I have. And I love it. Perfect. All right. This one's from Anonymous. No pronouns given. In the words of old dirty bastard, I want to give a shout out to um, um, myself. This week, finally, my wife and I got our paperwork approved to move abroad. We started the process this winter and thought we uh, had everything approved months ago, but bureaucracy is sadly not limited to the U.S., We moved abroad before, coincidentally, by the way, on January 6, 2021, no less, only to have to return to San Diego a few months later because of a host of issues beyond our control. We've since had several more false starts and our hopes continually dashed and we were worried the same thing was going to happen yet again. But this week we finally got news we've been long waited for. We should finally be able to move this fall. For pod pet tax, I've included photos of our fur babies, Avon Barksdale and Lola Bear. (laughs) Avon also goes by pig and he's the one with the tongue that doesn't fit in his mouth. Yay. They went with us abroad before and it was an ordeal to fly them abroad and back since many airlines restrict how and where bulldogs can fly. Interesting. Hmm. Our good news was timely for another reason, which is that Lola passed away last week at age 12. Hmm. She was a trooper for the last several years, surviving a complicated surgery to remove cancer. As you can imagine, her passing combined with our mounting stress over awaiting our paperwork meant for an especially shitty three-day weekend, but hopefully things will now be up on the upswing. Thank you, AG and DG, for always balancing the good with the bad, the light with the dark, and the proper swearing. Fuck yeah, that's my addition to that little thing. Look at these dogs. Our pleasure, Anonymous. Oh, look. Yeah, oh, that so tongue sorry. is nowhere near fitting in that... Oh, my God. So cute. And I'm so sorry about Lola. Yeah. But hey, new adventure. It's going to be amazing. These dogs are beautiful. Thank you for sending that in. Finally, Deb from Florida. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. First, I want to thank you for keeping us sane and helping us digest all the news. Because of you, I'm able to have civil conversations with the MAGAverse in Florida. What happened the other night, I truly believe, is a sign of change here in Florida, We've lived in our home for 22 years, and our MAGA neighbor has lived here for 30-plus years. We've always been civil, helping with projects, etc. After Trump lost in 2020 and the cyber ninjas were doing their thing, my neighbor gleefully approached us saying, aren't you excited Trump is going to be reinstated? I looked at my husband and our neighbor and asked, are you talking about the bamboo on the ballot theory with the cyber ninja stuff? (laughs) He answered with a very excited, yep, isn't that awesome? Oh, my God. I responded, yeah, I don't see that going anywhere. Seems a little sketch. Do me a favor. Don't send him any money. If he's a billionaire, he doesn't need your $50 donation. I think a lot of this is fundraising attempts. Fast forward to the present day. Holy shit, ladies. Our same neighbor came over to ask my husband for help with a flooring project. I love to take these opportunities to ask questions and hear his views. Needless to say, after discussing the shit show that the GOP-led government has put forth in Florida 
property tax increases, Disney bullshit, local issues, etc. We agreed on a lot of the issues. When he was leaving, I said, I enjoyed our conversation and it made me feel good agreeing with a Trumper. He turned and said, I'm not a Trumper anymore. I would never vote for him again. Nice. Mine and my husband's jaws were on the floor. He went on to say, don't get me wrong. I, w- I, w- I would not vote for Biden. I asked why. And he said, he's old. <laughs> ah, I had put it out there. He may be old, but you have to agree he's getting shit done. The infrastructure bill, the PACT Act, the CHIPS Act. He said, yeah, he has. I walked into the house and my husband looked at me and said, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> when you started talking about politics, I saw it going south. I was ready to leave the room, but it didn't go south at all. I'm so excited that the cult mentality is starting to crack. Baby steps. Thank you again for all you do. Well, shit. Thank you, Deb, for all you're doing in Florida. Right? And take someone with you when you go vote in 2024. Bring your neighbor. My God. Truly, truly amazing. Um, yeah, I I think it's starting to crack as well. We'll see. You, you know, you have a better finger on the pulse in Florida. I'm, you know, I'm speaking just nationally, but it's not looking good. Uh, for the former guy or the old Republican Party. We'll see what happens. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend, my friend? I do not. I'm heading to New Orleans for a human rights campaign event. I'm going to go raise some more money for the cause. And uh, I hope that you all have a fabulous weekend. I'll be back in your ears Monday morning. So, so great. And, uh, you know, of course, this weekend we'll have a bonus cleanup on our 45 episode. We'll have a bonus Beans weekly wrap up. We'll have Jack. I never rest. I do not sleep. You really don't. I, I don't know how you do it. And I'm being serious. You've got like 85 podcasts going and I'm like, what the hell? And I, I, I'll, speaking of that, I want to thank everybody. We've reached 1.5 million downloads for the podcasts um, per month. So, wow, I'm absolutely blown away. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, I lied, AG. We couldn't do this without you. What was that? I lied. I do have one more final thought. My mom's birthday's on Saturday, so I want to wish my mom a very, very, very happy birthday. Happy birthday to your mama. Yeah. Dear one. Yeah. Thank you, honey. So great. All right, everybody. We'll see you uh, the next time we see you. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone and your neighbor with you. Everyone. Virginia, eyes on you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA 
As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.